also I had no window and I was sharing that room with my daughter. I found out about the Mama's Program through my mom who had heard it on the radio and the Mama's Program has benefited me from that because I found a lot of resources through the group that I never knew we had up here on the mountain and in that time frame I have gotten into my own apartment. We have almost everything we need for my apartment and I'm now working. The Mama's Program has changed my daughter's life who is three now due to the fact that we are in our own space and she has her own room and she can run around freely and play with her toys freely. I want to give a big thank you to everyone who has come together for the Mama's Program. It wouldn't have been possible without you guys and because of this program I have made my best friend and I've met several people that I will never forget. Amen. Praise the Lord, man. I mean, you need to come and see, man, what the Lord has done. You need to come and know what the Lord has done. Amen. Because God is doing amazing things, man. And my question is, are we paying attention? All right. Are we recognizing what God has done? Do we know what God is doing? And are we aware of where God is leading? I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you with that this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the church, man. Uh, today, we are taking a day off of our, uh, uh, of our Ephesians uh, sermon series, man. All right. We're kind of just, uh, we're going we're gonna to just take a, a little break because this is annual Christmas gift weekend, and we just kind of want to blow this up, man. And I want to just kind of begin uh, this with, with telling y'all a story. Okay, I want to tell you a story. And this, this story right here is a really, really important story, man, because not only is it our story, not only is it your story, but it is his story through, through all of us. All right? And I want to tell this story, man, but I also want to not only tell the story, uh, you, know, the, 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 you know, what God has done, but I want to share what God is doing. And then I also want to tell the story that he is still wanting to create through you and me. Amen. So, so let's pray, man. So Father, we just give you the praise, we give you the honor, and we give you the glory. And we're so thankful, Lord God, that we could tell a story like this um, because this is all you. And we just give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I walked out here with my water, I don't know if you guys saw it during the video, I was like, I should close that because I might drop it. And if I drop it on his stuff, that's going to be crazy. But I don't know if I can get away with it without telling him. All right. But, and then I actually dropped it. So anyways, so, all right. So I got that out of the way. Praise the Lord. Right. <laughs> so check this out, man. Uh, you know, in the spring of, of, of 2009, all right, it was about 12 and a half years ago. In the spring of 2009, all right, uh, well, actually, it began a little before that. You know, we were, we were, we were uh, I was a part of another church. I was a youth pastor there. And over the past, oh, you know, I don't know, some, the previous years of that, maybe 14 years before that or, or ish, um, there was this unsettling feeling when it came to the church. Just, these things that weren't, weren't right. It's like, it's like we'd be reading the scriptures, man, but, but things were just not matching up, 
right? And I was kind of tripping, man, because, you know, it was like, you know, I was part of a group of people, all right? This a group of people who actually knew why we're here, all right? Had answers as to why we're right here on this place, man. But we didn't, didn't know how to communicate that to the world around us, all right? And the communication was actually getting all messed up. Right? We, didn't know how to give them, we didn't know how to give them these answers, man, as, a, as actually why we're here. And you see, the common thought of the, of, of the people were like, you know what? Well, we just need to go out there and tell people how messed up they are, right? And they need to be more like us. I was like, have you looked in the mirror? All right? You know, because I don't know that that's, I don't know if that would work on me. You know? And, and, and the crazy, it wasn't even crazier is that, you know, if they didn't respond, well, then it was on them. It was their problem, and maybe they were the problem. It was, it was crazy because over the years, I kept seeing this, man, with, with these group of people that called themselves followers of Christ, who called themselves Christians. And I was wondering, am I becoming one of these? And I didn't know how I felt, man, because I, I, meanwhile, the, the unloved... All right, those who are unloved, the, the, the unwanted, the untouchable, people that they consider the unreachable, me, and the people who are actually damaged by Jesus people and, or, or Christians or churches or whatever, they were being overlooked as potential disciples of Jesus Christ. I mean, we'd, we'd give them a food basket. We, may, we might pay a bill or two, all right? And maybe when they were leaving, we might hand them a Bible because we have boxes of them, all right? And then sometimes might even invite them to church. But you know what? Secretly, I think we were kind of hoping they wouldn't show up because then we'd have to invest. And this is, my, this is what I was looking at. I'm not, I'm not judging anybody, all right? I'm just saying, man, something just wasn't right. And I'm not sure if we got it. More and more people were being missed, man. More and more people were being overlooked for, as potential disciples of Jesus Christ. So I started talking to some of the homies there in church, man, the ones that I trusted, all right, that really I felt that they, they felt uneasy too, all right? And we started praying together. We started going through the scriptures together. We started just kind of checking this whole thing out. And we realized we needed to take, answer, we needed to take action, we need to do something about this, all right? And so what was it, man? And we just like, okay, well, what is it? And after reading the scriptures, we need to do this. What's actually in here? We need to do this. Look at how these people, man, how they are reaching the community around them. Look at how these people are creating this amazing Jesus culture all around them. We need to do this. We need to answer, all right, the call, all right, to, to continue the church that Jesus Christ himself started 2,000 years ago. A church that had a vision and mission for discipling everybody. <coughs> A church that had, you know, basically would be able to present clear biblical structure for leadership where Jesus Christ himself is the senior pastor. Wouldn't that be amazing? All right, a church that is not intimidating or scary, all right, but is actually inviting for those people, man, that never really opened up their Bible yet. A church that was actually inviting to those people who might be suspicious or skeptical of Christians. How about, well, how about a family? All right. A family that is actually honest with their own brokenness, who realize this us, we're trying to get everybody to be like, you know what, is still struggling as well. 
How about we, 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 we start a family, right, that is honest with their brokenness, a family that is loving, a family that is accepting, a family that is caring. How about we, we create a home that receives people just as they are, that equips them right where they are, all right, and, and then sends them for the glory of Jesus Christ, amen? How about, how about people who come, all right, who come just the way they are to Jesus, and that's okay. How about people who will grow in their relationship? relationship in Jesus right here with us, man, and we're going to grow with them. How about people who will go, all right, with Jesus to change the world alongside him? How about the people who he calls the church, amen? How about that? <laughs> I love this stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so he gave us a vision. And he gave us this mission. And the vision that he gave us, man, was to make it easier for people to know Jesus. In other words, no hoops to jump through. You have to dress a certain way, wear clothes. That's not optional. <laughs> wear some clothes, <laughs> right? right? You didn't have to dress a certain way. You can come exactly as you are, but recognize that Christ isn't gonna leave you that way. Right? We want to make it easier for people to know Jesus. Why? Because there's a lot of people, man, that don't know they can know Jesus. They don't actually know that they can actually know him. Oh, they can know about him. I've heard about him. Oh, this guy, the, uh, the, the chosen thing we did the other night, I don't know if you guys showed up, but I thought that was off the hook. All right, it was pretty cool. The music was amazing. Yes, Brittany just pulled that off. All right, I thought that was awesome. Give it up for her real quick. Yeah. Yeah, man, and, uh, but there was a dude who said something and it just struck me. It was one of the singers, man, when they were interviewing him. He says, he says, most of my life, man, I believed in Jesus. I believed in God. I just didn't know he believed in me. I thought, wow, that was intriguing. I, I can, I, you know, me too. I realized me too. A lot of you, I would never really, I always knew there was God. I always believed this story. You know, there was this story about Jesus. I wasn't really sure about it for a lot of years. But I was definitely sure, at least I, was, I thought I was sure that he didn't believe in me. And so we want to make it easier for people to know Jesus. All right, that's our vision. Make it easier for people to know Jesus. And then he gave us a mission because that can get really, really soft. That can get really, really, people think, well, that just waters everything down. No, it doesn't because our mission is to lead them into a growing relationship with Jesus. All right, it's a combination of Jesus himself, grace and truth. We want to. We want to be. We don't want to be lacking in grace, but we also don't want to be lacking in truth. Because here's what the scriptures say, and we need to grow in that. Amen. And God gave us that vision and that mission. But you know what? It was crazy because we got pretty excited about that. But something was still missing. Something was still missing, and it was it was wild because we were involved at the time, and in in, in, uh, in you know we were invited by the Navajo County Court System to be in, to come to court and have a voice every week in court with people who are going through a thing called drug court, and to be able to be there and serve and help, and we were listening to the goals that these people had, you know, what I mean that they were put in front of them. The drug court goals were pretty amazing. I can't re recite all of them. Some were like you know better time management, better social network you know, financial, you know, stability, all these different things. And I'm thinking, man, you know what? There's a lot of people in the world that need this. That their life has got off center. And then we were challenged with a question. 
We were challenged, you know, as, as, as a church, we were challenged with a question. And this question was actually given to a bunch of business leaders, and we were just part of an audience listening to this, all right? And this question came along, and it said, if you can do anything in your, in your field, you know, in, in anything in your field, all right, that would, that would revolutionize your field of influence, what would it be? If you could do something that would re- revolutionize your field of influence you know, or, or the influence of your field, what would it be? And it just intrigued us. We started thinking, man, what would that be? What would it be, man? And it was, it was immediate, man, it was to create a Jesus culture in our community that didn't demand a Jesus response. As a church... Now, let me unpack that for a minute. If we could create, all right, a Jesus culture right here in this community that didn't demand a Jesus response, I think that would be revolutionary. You know why? Because I saw Jesus do it. When I read the scriptures, I saw him, you know, I'm gonna heal you, but only if you go to church. You know what I mean? I'm gonna feed all you people, man, but only, you know what, you know what, man? You gotta dress differently and you gotta take this class, this class, this class, this class, and this class before we'll talk to you about knowing Jesus and then there'll be a class for that. I didn't see any of that. What I saw Jesus do is healed, all right? Yes, healed by your faith, your faith. He challenged people with faith. That's the Jesus call. Challenge people with their faith. And I thought, man, if we can do that on a daily basis, if we could actually create something like that on a daily basis, and we started praying and asking God to lead us, and he led us right here to this scripture in Jeremiah 29. In Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah, uh, the, the context is, is um, Israel as a people group, the Hebrew people, were, were, they've, they've been getting ransacked by just different nations, man. They've just been getting tossed around, man. Every time they turn their back on God, something crazy starts happening, man. And you know what? Next thing you know, you know they have to, hey, okay, we're sorry, you know, kind of thing, right? And so the same thing happened here. And the, the Babylonian nation was led by a king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, all right? And uh, they were just out conquering, 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 conquering. Jerusalem was in the way. Boom, conquered them. And they took him captive, all these people captive. Well, some people stayed behind. And Jeremiah was, was behind, was back behind. And, he, and in Jeremiah 29, verse 1, all right, Father, I, I, we just pray for your word to, be, to, to just lead us here. He said this. I'm just going to read verse 1, then I'm going to jump down to verse 4. We'll check this out. Just kind of open it up. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent to those, uh, to, sent from Jerusalem to the surviving. Say surviving. That he sent to the surviving elders of the exiles and the priests and the prophets and basically to all the people, to those who are just surviving, to those who are just surviving, he sent this letter. And here's what he begins. And in verse four, it says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Here's, here's, here's the, the letter. All right, at least part of it. I'm not gonna finish the whole thing. But, 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 but you know, he says, thus says the Lord God the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, to the exiles whom I sent in the exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. In other words, God says, ah, this is part of my plan. So before you start bellyaching of why am I in Pine Topsville, all right? This is part of my plan. Why am I still in these white mountains? Why are we even doing it? There's nothing going on here, all right? That's because you ain't doing it yet. That's because you ain't done it yet. He says, look at man. He goes, this is to all the exiles whom I sent. You know what? God places you where he places you, all right? He says, if you are his, he's opening. He's, he's putting the path in front of you. And if you're listening, man, that's what got you here. 
All right? And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you, look at verse, verse five. I want you to complain over and over and over again about the community you're living in, about the people you're surrounded with, and about how everybody's just way more messed up than you. I want you to go to Safeway in the parking lot, put up a big old banner and say, everybody needs to shut up and listen to me because I'm gonna save your life. That's not what he says, is it? And he says, check this out, I want you to build houses. I want you to live in them. I want you to plant gardens and I want you to eat their produce. I want you to take wives, man. I want you to have sons and daughters. I want you to take wives for your sons and, and, and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. I want you to multiply there and don't decrease. I remember when God brought me up here in uh, 2002, me, my wife, our crazy kids, and we were like, I don't know why we're here, man. I was like, God, why am I here? Because there's nobody in this town. This is such, I thought you might, maybe I'm supposed to be like in, you know, like in LA or something, you know? And God's like, no, I sent you here. I want you to do this right here. Settle down and check this out. And so we did. Take wives, have sons and daughters. Take wives for your daughters, your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Here's, here's the kicker. Here's the big verse right here. And this is what challenged us. And this is what changed a lot for us. This is actually, we, we were able to put it into another gear as a church here. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Seek the, the peace of the city uh, and where I've sent you, seek the health, seek the well-being, seek the safety, seek the wellness, all right? Make it better, and guess what? It will be better. Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. One time I said, you know what? And this is probably not even relevant. Um, okay, okay, I gotta tell it now, all right? <laughs> uh, one time, man, there was, this, there, was, there was a drug dealer here in town, man, and, uh, you know, well, actually, there was a couple of, um, there's always a drug dealer in there, all right? So not this one time, okay? There's a couple of different times, man, you know, God would have me praying, you know, against, you know, I'm always praying against drugs and the, and the influence of drugs on people's lives and kids' lives, and it's just, it's a mess. And so God would have me pray into that, but he also had me start to, to take action, all right? And I remember one time I'm praying for this drug dealer, all right, that he would either come to Christ or just leave town because he seemed to be the name that was on everybody's mouth that I would talk to trying to get off drugs. I was like, man, this guy's got to, he's got to, he's got to either, he's either got to just come to you, Lord, or he's got to leave town. And I remember praying this often over and over and over again. And then one day I'm driving from, I'm driving, I think I'm just driving to, uh, uh, to, to Heber, right? Oh no, I was driving to, to, to Payson. And, uh, and I see the, this guy out there kind of walking in the rain and he's just like all wet and drenched, man. And I was like, Lord, you probably, you probably want to pick that guy up, huh? I'm like, uh, all right. And so I'm like, all right, man. So uh, I pull over. I say, dude, you need a ride, man? He's like, he's like yeah, 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 thanks, man. He, he had a bag, a duffel bag, and he got in the truck. And, uh, and I'm like, dude, man, um, where are you going? He goes, oh, I'm just going to Heber. That's right. He was going to Heber. I was going to, to Payson. And I was like, dude, man, you look like you've been through it, man. Are you all right? He goes, yeah, man, everything just fell apart, man. He goes, I was doing so good up here, and everything just fell apart. He goes, I don't know how to explain it. And I was like, dude, what's your name? And he told me his name, and it was that dude. It was that guy. It was that guy. I've been praying for this guy to get out of town, and now God is having me give him a ride, all right? 
That's crazy, all right? It's crazy. But also, I got to share the Lord with him. I got to talk to him about Jesus, amen? All right? I didn't stop and go, er, dude, get out, all right? You deserve to walk. No, man, you know, it was crazy because God just kind of says, hey, man, share the Lord. And I talked to him about the Lord. He was all ears. I don't know where it went from there. I dropped him off, man, and... Uh, you know, he left his wallet. I kept it. Um, so, uh, just kidding. <laughs> but he says, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exiles and pray to the Lord on his behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. You will find your peace. You will find your health, your safety, your wellness when you make it better around you. God was telling us to create a Jesus culture without demanding a Jesus response. Check this out. Ronald Rollheiser, I don't know if you ever heard of him, author and among other things. He wrote one of his books. He said this, the quality of your faith will be judged by the quality of justice in the land. You tracking with me? The quality of your faith will be judged by the quality of justice in your land. And the quality of justice in your land, all right, will be judged on how well the weakest and most vulnerable groups in society fared while you were alive. Let's leave that up there for a minute. Think about that. And we talk about great faith and faith, faith, and faith, faith, and I have this faith, man, my faith, and my faith, but yet people are just, you know, just falling through the cracks right alongside of you. And he's called us to much more. And he says, the quality of your faith will be judged by the justice in, your, in the land, and the quality of justice will be judged by how well the weakest and most vulnerable groups in society fared while you were here. Since the grand opening of the church, since the grand opening of the church, all right, the church has been steadily working on this. Since its grand opening in 2000, 2000 years ago, I'm not this, this church, since the grand opening of the whole church, all right, 2,000 years ago, all right, the church, the Christians, Jesus followers have been steadily working at that. If you just do the research, you'll find that, that, that Christians and the worldview of Christianity, all right, and following of Jesus Christ, that's where orphanage came from. The first orphanage were, were developed in the Middle Ages, and that's exactly where that came from, all right? Unwanted kids were actually even, were even brought to the church and left at the doorstep of the church. Today, <clears throat> followers of Christ are more, twice as more likely to adopt children than anybody else. Homes for the elderly, all right, in the 10th century, all right, people started, you know, there was Christian people started to develop care systems and care homes for the elderly instead of just, you know, just letting them just die in the survival of the fittest, all right? They were the ones who pioneered social work. I don't know if you know this, but the founder of the original Red Cross, I can't always forget how to say this guy's name, Camellius de all right? In the 1500s in Italy, he began this, this charity work, all right? Follower of Christ, a priest of Christ, all right? He was actually a priest. He started doing this charity work, all right? And he used to have this big red cross and all of his followers used to wear this big red cross. And then later on, I think it was Clara Barton in, uh, in the 1800s, all right, took on the work that was taking place in Italy and started it right here in the States. Christian worldview, basically recognizing that, that we're here to make things, all right, we're here to, to seek the welfare of the city. In 1948, the United Nations declared, all right, they, they, they declared the Declaration of Human Rights was actually founded on Christian principles, 
right? The impact on civil liberties was, was, was just was, was pioneered and championed, all right, by a young preacher, Baptist preacher, Dr. Martin Luther King. Over and over and over again, all right? Habitat for Humanity, Miller Fuller basically began that. He was, a, he was actually, his, 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 his pursuit was to be a millionaire, a millionaire and a multimillionaire. And then all of a sudden just kind of just said, this is not where I'm going. It's his impact with God. He sold everything and started to develop this. He founded this, 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 this movement called Habitat for Humanity. Voting rights for women, school systems, universities, hospitals, labor unions, public libraries, protections of children's rights, protections of marriage and family, food and clothing distribution, shelters for the homeless, disaster relief, all this because men and women of God said, we're not gonna just stand here and talk about these, these, these verses in the, in the Bible. We're gonna put our faith into action. It's been happening for 2,000 years, many times under much oppression, many times, uh, you know, you know in, in, in great, in just, in just fields and fields of just victory. But every time for the glory of God, for the glory of Jesus Christ, amen? And it's still happening. And it's happening right here. Let me just tell you what the Lord has done all right, the, the first service that we had in, in 2009 here at the church, there were, I've told you this so many times, there were 35 people that showed up to that first service. We were able to preach the gospel to 35 people that night, and that included the band, all right, and the kids, all right? It, you know, and, and, that, and, and we were able to, to preach them that, 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 that first service, man. 35 people got to hear the gospel. Do you know in the last 28 days, over 23,000 people have heard the gospel come from here? Over 23,000, you're like, wait a second. It doesn't look like 23,000 are in here. No, no, they're watching right now online. 23,000. And you know what's crazy is because, you know, when, when we first started that first service, it was just people right here in the neighborhood. All right, half of that 23,000 people don't even live in the United States. We got people from Indonesia, Bangladesh, Kathmandu, all right? People from China and Germany checking in, listening to, to, to how God is preaching the gospel, all right, through our church and through us. Hearing the impact, I even uh, got a call from a guy who actually started a few churches in China and has had some impact on some churches in Germany, and he wants us to go over there to strengthen the churches in Germany and the churches in China. I'm like, man, we need to be strengthened by them. He's like, nah, they've been watching these, they're, 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 they're in two, it's crazy when you think about this, all right? And, you know, in, in the first year, uh, you know, there was only one community group in our church and it was the pastors and the leaders. Today, there are almost 300 people in this church and community group. That's pretty amazing. And over 150 of our kids are, are, are in kids' ministries and student ministries. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty awesome. Our first year, this is where it gets crazy, all right, because I want to take you someplace with this. This is annual Christmas gift week. I want to take you someplace. I'm going to be blasting through some numbers here in a minute, all right, and some stats and stuff like that. I just need you to stay with me, to keep tracking, because I have something I want you to do about this. Our first year, the giving 
total year giving was $85,000. That's pretty good to begin with. 35 people in that first year have giving of $85,000. We gave over 10% of that away to, to outreach and families in need in our community because that's what God said to do. All right? And I thought that was important because this is not just about getting out there and preaching sermons. You see, how we communicate is just as important as what we communicate. Don't you think sometimes? Or if not all the time. And because of your generosity, because of your generosity and your generosity, all right, because of your generosity, next year, okay, that first year we gave away about 8,000, maybe 8.5, you know, uh, you know to, 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 to families and you know, community people that were, that were doing great things. Next year, we're planning to give away over $184,000, all right, to, to help families in need and to outreach into what we're doing. And I don't know about you, man, but I think that's pretty amazing. People always wonder, oh, the church just wants our money. You know what? No, man, the church wants all of you. God wants all of you. He doesn't just want your money. He wants everything. How much do I give? How about everything? All right? Your life, your time, your talents, your treasures, everything. It's all his anyways. All right? And so, and so and, and you know, a lot of times you just don't know where that's going. And I think it's important that you're informed with these things sometimes or from time to time. You know, outreach, you're like, what is outreach, man? Right now, our recenter is our primary expression for outreach, all right? Why? Let me just give you some numbers. Over 20% of people in our community right here are families. Families are food insecure. What that means is that, is that they don't know where the next meal is coming from or where next week's food is coming from. That's food insecure. That's a horrible place to be. I've been there personally. That's a horrible place to be, not knowing where, 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 what you're going to eat, where you're going to feed your kids. 20% of our community as a whole are food insecure. 28% of our, food, of our community live right now in poverty, below poverty level. In this community, I'm just talking about our white mountains right now. I'm not even talking about the world. I'm just talking about us, where we have responsibility for right now. All right, a huge percent, all right, of our, of our community, more than ever, is unemployed. And I know there are a lot of jobs out there and a lot of people not wanting to get jobs, but I guarantee there's not enough jobs for as many people who need jobs. And we got answers for this, so hold on. There are over 3,000 single mother homes right now in, in our community and over 800 single father homes in our community right now. There's a... You know, for, for mental health is huge right now. Right now, mental health is huge. And for every one, all right, mental health provider, there are 1,100 people who need that, that, that help. For every one person, the needs are growing and growing and growing. All right, why is, why is our recenter our primary outreach expression? Because check this out. Look, at, let me just tell you what happened this year alone from the recenter. All right, this amazing team that we have at the recenter Pam Williams, Devin Dillinger, all right, Danielle Padilla, Molly uh, McGavick, and now uh, Charlie uh, Mead is over there, and then their whole team of people that they have working for them, and then all of us and our involvement. This is a we thing, it's not just a them thing, or this is a we thing I need to tell you about. But here's what's been happening. They have been helping this year alone, helping people survive while pushing to help them thrive. So now I want you to say thrive. Say thrive with me. 
all right? And we are talking about survive to thrive because Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I didn't just come to give you life to survive. I've given you, I came to give you abundant life so that you might thrive. This year alone, our three, our, our recenter provided items and services, all right, to our community and people hurting in our community. They equaled to $740,000. Items and services, that's food and clothing and and, and, and helps and different things, all right? They served over 2,000, exactly two, he gave me an exact number, 2,221 hot meals, all right? They they served over 2,000 hot meals. That's survival, I got you, all right? They handed over 17,000 food boxes this year. That's survival, I got it. But they also employed four people this year. That's thriving, right? They helped 30 people, all right, in the prisoner reentry program. They helped 30, partic- 30 participants reenter society with survival and thriving services, providing mentoring. That's side-by-side mentoring. That's thriving. Our mamas, you just got a video of one of the mamas that graduated, all right? We had four graduates this year that completed the 2021 Mamas Mentorship Program. That is thriving, Right, they distributed sixteen thousand dollars in the church's benevolence funds to right to help people that are hurting to get out. All right, to trying to get out of survival mode and into thrival mode. Here's what I love. This is what's been taking place. Instead of giving people handouts, all right, we're giving them a hand up. Amen. Because that's what we're supposed to do. God didn't send, here's, here's what I know. God didn't just send us to make a point. Hey, you, 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 you. No, he sent us to make a difference, amen? I know this because this is what I see every time I read the scriptures. I'm looking through the scriptures in Acts chapter three and I'm seeing John, all right, and Paul and Peter, John and Peter actually heading towards the temple. Jesus had given his life on the Christ, on the cross, has, was buried, resurrected from the grave, all right? And here they are going to the temple. In the front of the temple, there was this cat that they used to send out there. He was crippled. He couldn't walk. They give him a cup. They give him a mat and he had a mouth, all right? Hey, man, I need to survive. I need to survive. And here's this cup. Put a, he put, when you hear a coin tossed in there, survival. Coin, survival. Coin, survival. That's all he knew was survival. And then Peter and John walk up. He puts his coin out, his, his cup out there. I just need to survive. You know what Peter does? He says, hey, look at me. He gets all gangster on him. Look at me. Right? Look at me. He does, man. Look at verse four. He says, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive a little more survival. Peter said, look at man, I ain't here just to help you survive. He says, I have got no silver and gold, but what I do have, all right, I'm gonna give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one who lived, who died, who was buried and resurrected, all right, our Lord, our King, our God, he says, get up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. He didn't give him a hand out. He gave him a hand up. Amen. That's what he did. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong, man. And the dude got up and he started river dancing. You know what I mean? He started just driven. All right. I can't river dance. Anyways, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're called to say, 
rise and walk. When's the last time you said rise and walk? Too many times we look at this and we get intimidated. I don't know if I got that. Blowing fingers, rise and walk. Come on. Boop, rise and walk. It is not working. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe there's something else you need to do. Because I believe God has given us more expressions than you may think to be able to say, rise and walk. I want to tell you something right now. We're heading into the home stretch right here. Here we go. All right, because how, how can you say rise and walk? How can you be involved in rise and walk? How can you be a part of survive to thrive? This year, our recenter needs your help to reduce, because it's, 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 it's beginning a hunger relief project all right, and they're going to reduce that whole few, that food insecurity. They're going to increase the number of days. I don't know if you know this, but the Love Kitchen, if you guys are familiar with the Love Kitchen, it was a, basically a place for people, the homeless people and people in hurting and need can go and get food pretty much every day. Well, now they closed. I didn't know if you knew that. But the work, the people are still hungry. All right, and we know this. And the recenter picked up where they left off. And they said, okay, we're going to fill the gap of that love kitchen closing. And they're going to increase the days. And they're going to need you to get over there to help people rise and walk. Get over there and help serve food. We also need your help in providing mentors to people right here. All right, right here in our community. They're stuck in survival mode. Our prisoner reentry is going to double the amount of people, all right, uh, that they serve with this resource navigation thing, all right, kind of pairing people with mentors. Last year, I think we, we helped, what did I say, we helped 20 people. This year, they want to help up to 40 people with the same thing. But it needs people. People need people to come alongside them. They don't need to be preached at. They don't, those, 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 a lot of the workshops we do are really, really helpful. But, but more than anything, they need one of you to stand beside them. I want you to stand beside them and to kind of guide them. If I, when I was living in the gutter, man, I didn't need people outside the gutter telling me, hey, come here, man, it's pretty awesome over here. No, man, if you could come into my mess with me and guide me out, that's what I needed. That's what mentorship is, man. We need more mentors. And we're going to include an early childhood development that supports, you know, kids are, are just at an early age are just, in, are, are just exposed to some very traumatic things. And we want to be able to help kids with that. We want to provide job training, all right? We're going to provide job training. Did you hear what we're going to provide? What did I say? Job training, all right, that is going to help people get a job and keep a job. Our mama's program, we're going to be out on the Apache Reservation, all right? We're looking to try to, this next year, to help five moms out there. Just five. We're going to try to reach five moms, man, all right? And we reach more praise the Lord. But we're going to try to reach five moms with this, with this mentorship program. We're going to grow our, our surviving to thriving services, right? We're going to hire a survive to thrive coordinator, basically a case manager, right there out of this. We're going to provide another job. Right? We're going to be taking on, like I said, the, the work of the Love Kitchen. And Mama, this year, Mama's program is looking to reach 15 moms this next year. All right, we need your help to come alongside. To come alongside, man. To come alongside and to get involved. All right? To say rise and walk. I know you can. 
Right? This is your story. I, should, I began saying, I want to tell you a story. I just told our story, your story, my story. The question is, all right, you know, how are you going to move the story forward? So what's next? Yeah, today, all right, we're, we're, is, is annual Christmas gift day. Annual Christmas gift is where you give above and beyond, all right, what... Um, you give above and beyond what you would normally give. You know, we don't want you to stop. Obviously, the work is continuing to move. The church, yeah, continue to support that. But now we want to give you this, this time of year, give above and beyond what you would normally give. And I always tell you, man, you're like, hey, man, I've never given anything to church. Well, then this would be more. Do it. This would be above and beyond. All right, we have a goal, um, 70,000. 75,000, and the church is already, is the church matching that? Am I wrong? We're giving, the church is, is, is already putting all kinds of money into what's happening over there at the Recenter, and we're asking you to join us with, and we're trying to, we're shooting for a goal of $75,000. And it's not, it's not far off. Last year, we reached 72, 67, 72. All right, you're gonna say like, dude, get your back straight. Come on, man, we're trying to track with you. We reached 72 last year. All right, and that, and we put it to work. You've heard all the stuff, and but there's more. There's more, man. There's more to do. And you know what? You know, like you know, you're like, well, why do you always want my money, man? If, if if helping people didn't cost anything, then nobody would need any help, right? You ever think of that? What does the church do? We want to create a Jesus culture that doesn't demand a Jesus response. All right, we, we're gonna have people who are Jesus followers lead the charge and show them what Jesus looks like when he blesses you with no strings attached. That's the work of the church. And that's where we want you to get involved. So right now you can give online. You can do it with the, the, the QRC code that's in front of there. Take you straight to our app. There's a place to give. You'll see annual Christmas gifts. You can throw, there's a Christmas box out there. You can do it, you can put it in there. But it's time to get out of the bleachers, you guys. And it's time to get in the race, amen? And while you're here, we have a recenter table. We got some of our champions of the recenter sitting at that table out there. And if you got questions about any of this stuff, I just breeze through a lot of this stuff. There's so much more. We just don't have time. Go out there and talk to them, please. Get involved. You know what a great question to go to that table with? Where could I help? How could I help? All right? Got the easy part done. It's your turn, amen? Knock it out.